Hey everyone, welcome to the Mortgage Innovators Podcast. My name is Blake Voss and I'm with Active Comply. And I'm Ali Carty and I'm also with Active Comply. We're going to be your host for this special episode today titled Breaking Down Barriers, How Millennial and Gen Z Women Can Make Home Ownership a Reality. Yeah, so this special episode today, we have a special guest on the show. So welcome Kristen Messerly to the show today. Welcome Kristen. Thank you so much. Happy to be here. Cool, cool. Well, Kristen, you just released your most recent research on next gen women's and the home buyer report. Can you, I guess, just give us a little bit on what this is and then what you've done with this research? Yes. So I've been doing research over the last three years with next gen home buyers, which make up millennial and Gen Z um, between the ages of 18 and 44. Or that's the focus area for the research. And, um, and we've done an annual report that's sponsored by National MI over the last three years. But this year, we've been segmenting it out. And I was super excited to release this report that's focused specifically on women. Um, we've seen some gender uh, disparities and, and gender differences over the last few years. And this one, we, we did a follow-up survey that was specifically asking questions uh, based on some of that past research. Uh, so yeah, we've got uh, the report that we released this month um, for Women's History Month, and I think there's some really interesting data in there. Cool, cool. And I know Allie has recently been talking with her peers uh, about home ownership and home buying. So Allie, uh, how much have you been doing with your peers lately? Yeah, 100%. So Kristen is definitely the trailblazer, uh, but I just have seen like being 24, home ownership, nobody really owns a home in my life. So I've kind of taken the opportunity to spark up conversations in my circle and say, hey, listen, what's keeping y'all from doing that or owning a home? Like, why are you paying $2,000 in rent? And so I've, I've taken some of Kristen's information and just been talking and peer groups and learning a lot about it. And I think she's right on track. And I think the conversations that I've been having may not reach as many demographics as Kristen has. So it's been really interesting to see her, especially the women, especially this month, you know, I've been reading through the forecast and it seems right on track. So I'm really interested to hear your firsthand perspective on some of the questions that we have for you today. Um, do you want to go ahead and just kick it off? Yeah, well, and also I'll say, I think the conversations themselves are so important. Like I, I've talked with hundreds of millennials whenever I was you know in years past talking about their views on homeownership and that fed into doing some of the survey data so as you have these conversations I mean I would love to collaborate and and hear from you like here's what I'm hearing from my friends and and then we can do follow-up surveys and that's what I'm really passionate about is like how can we make this voice heard and um, and help lenders and real estate agents and professionals better reach them based on that data yeah, 100%. I think my goal has really been to bridge the gap because I think there is such a disparity, you know, in communicating and just differences between my mom's generation and the conversations that I'm having um, around, especially just financial education and literacy. And I know that's a huge initiative that you and I have talked about when I first entered the industry. So I think you're just amazing and I'm really excited to hear your insight. Thank you. I think you are amazing, both of you. Um, very excited to have this conversation. Um, and I will say, I think the theme around financial literacy is is the most common one that's bled through every one of the research studies. And it's actually led me to starting a nonprofit called First Home IQ um, that's focused on educating high school and college students about home ownership, uh, because 
as we see in the data, and we'll see this especially with women, we just, we, a lot of women don't, or most women probably don't know very much information about home buying by the time they could buy a home. And so um, a lot of the data shows that uh, women, or this research shows that women are less confident in their own knowledge around financial education. They're also less confident in the market. Um, and they are they report having less access to uh, trusted resources or support in making those kinds of decisions. So um, that's kind of a that's a huge theme throughout well, the data. And something I wanted to ask you about, and this is kind of just off track, but I wanted to ask you, you know, um, what do you think when it comes to starting a conversation? Do you think women are less likely to approach it? Because having conversations with my friends, it's like, hey, you know, I like, let's talk about buying a home. Like, where do you guys think you're going to start? And they're all just like, I don't know enough about it. I don't want to talk about it. Like, I don't want to come across as um, uneducated. And, you know, I think that it's our generation compared to previous generations are going to be less likely or more prideful when it comes to opening the conversation up. So have you seen that in your research? Have you seen any type of personality traits that are distinctive between the generations? That's a really interesting point. And I think um, one of the things, yes, there's a, there's definitely an aspect of pride because uh, what's interesting is that women are graduating at equal rates from college yes. as men. So there, there's the equal education level, but women still reported way less um, education as children about financial planning. And so there is still a gap in financial education, even though that is so minimal to begin with. I mean, very few people have quality financial education before they graduate from college to begin with, uh, but women even more so. And so there is this aspect of like, no, I there's generations of women who have gone before me who have worked hard so that we can graduate at equal rates. We're becoming more, more women are becoming head of households, more women are making the financial decisions for their families, you know, all of that. But I still don't know about basic financial education, you know, and, and so there is that component. There's also the component, though, around um, feeling like a fear that they're going to be taken advantage of. Um, so that's one that came up a few years ago in the first report that we did, and it's consi been consistent that there, there, there's a at a level of anxiety that when they talk to a loan officer or anyone else that they're going to be sold on something that they don't want to be sold on yet you know and so they wait to have those conversations because they they are nervous about that and um harvard business review actually did a i don't know if it was a study or i read an article about how they said that one of the the biggest things that whenever you're reaching women you have to build rapport first because of that reason so anyway, I think there, I there's like two aspects of that. I agree. And I think that kind of, and I'm sorry to keep going on this tangent, but I think right. that stems from a lot of, you know, our mistrust in the media and the news. And I know you and I talked about this a couple of conferences ago, but Fox, CNN, you know, they go head to head. And I think our generation has grown up in that atmosphere that it's like our political parties have such a say in how we trust people. Um, and so that's my my latest survey was like, where do you get your news from? And everyone gets it from social media. And if you ask my parents, they got it from watching TV every morning at 8 a.m., turning on Fox or CNN and just diving into that type of research versus our generation. We build connections. We follow people we're similar to and whatever they think, 
that's where we want to trust and get information from. Does that make right. sense? Yeah, I would agree, especially with TikTok nowadays, because I, I get most of my national news, global news. Oh, you send me so many TikToks that are just like, have you seen this? And I'm like, why is your whole news feed, Chris whole popular page or whatever for you page is news articles. And I'm like, Blake, you and I don't talk about this enough for it to be all over your TikTok. But yes. But, but TikTok alone, I mean, I, I get my news from TikTok. I get uh, my recipes for for dinner. Amazon from finds. Oh, Amazon finds. I mean, I bought a, you guys can't see it, but my webcam I'm using right now, I saw it on a TikTok about how it's perfect, but I mean, is it perfect? I'm not sure, but TikTok influenced me to make a decision uh, and, and I bought it. Uh, and I think the same thing would go for home ownership, especially for millennial and Gen Z women, or, or really any millennial or Gen Zer. I know I'm the only man on this call uh, <laughs> and women and next gen women. Uh, so I certainly want you guys to be able to take this conversation and take it far. Um, but I, I am curious to know, like, where are the trends uh, specifically for for home ownership for these for these women for millennial and Gen Z demographics? Like, what are the trends for their home ownership right now? Uh, well, I one of them is around trust, and and it's really interesting. And this is across millennial and Gen Z, uh, regardless of gender, but even more so with women. Um, this loss in institutional trust, and it's not just in financial services, as you mentioned, Ali. It's across all industries, whether it's media, government, even faith-based institutions. We've lost trust in these higher powers, and we're turning to individuals like influencers on TikTok or um, you know, we're more likely, and the data shows that women and and men, but more so women, we're more likely to trust the individual, like a real estate agent, versus a bank or a uh, you know a higher institution. So we saw last year, I think it was two in three millennials said that they didn't think lenders were trustworthy or reliable. Um, and so this year we broke it down further and we were like, let's look at what that means. What do they mean by you know a lender not being trustworthy? And we saw that women and men, but more so women were go more likely to trust the loan officer, first the real estate agent, and then the loan officer, and then the lender, and then lastly, the bank or credit union. So you can see the bigger the institution, the less there is trust. Um, and it, you know, so along that line, women felt that they, but women were, I think it was 47% of women said that they were, um, they didn't feel they had the trusted resources or support to make financial decisions to, to reach their financial goals. Um, so there was a, a lack of support there and, and trusted resources. Um, and then we talked about the financial education piece, but uh, women were much more likely to say that they didn't feel confident in their own personal financial knowledge. Um, and financial anxiety was one of their top uh, challenges to their financial situation last year, which is super complex and we can get into that, but there's a lot of reasons to that. Um, but there's just this overall feeling of, of lack of education, oh, and lack of confidence in the market. So women were um, less likely to say that they felt confident in the housing market and less likely to say that they were confident in the value of their homes. Um, so we look at this from three different areas that we saw the biggest trends. It was the lack of confidence in the market, uh, lack of confidence in their own personal financial knowledge, and then lastly, the area of uh, distrust. Interesting. 
And, and I do want you to dive into this financial anxiety that you just brought up. Uh, I'll let you get into it, but is it around security as well, like, like financial security? You know what's interesting is that we found that women are, and this is consistent across all other research as well, that women find home ownership to bring them financial security, and that's one of the big drivers around home ownership. And oh, I should have said this from the beginning. So single women make up the second largest cohort of home buyers, double that of single men. Um, I think it's like 19% versus 9%. Um, so there's a, a big, uh, big market there and i think a lot of that, that that drives that is this desire for independence and uh financial security that comes from home ownership uh, but yeah that on the other side of that there is this um overall lack of security that they feel in their own uh financial knowledge and and some of the other factors we talked about gotcha hey i mean i think that's pretty powerful to know that single women make up a larger cohort than single men for homeowners uh i think I mean that's a huge milestone. I, I should I would say for for just women independence. Uh, and I mean Allie and I are both 24. Uh, we're probably the oldest Gen Z. Uh, yeah, you just made the cutoff. We're we're born in 1998. I think that is truly the cutoff or the like the start of Gen Z. I mean I guess there's different sources that say sometimes it's 1997. Yeah, it's all over the place. <laughs> well, but, I want to. Oh sorry, go ahead, Blake. If you're going to talk no, about Gen. No, no going to say sometimes for, for you and I, when we talk about this, just from our day-to-day -day job with active compliance, and we focus on social media compliance, uh, and, and we really don't see many of the people that we work with really trying to target Gen Z in particular. Like, yes, there's tons of initiatives around millennial, uh, potential home buyers, but really Gen Z, I feel like, I don't know if it's just because we're too young, uh, they don't think of us as someone that could potentially buy a home. Uh, Ali and I both are not homeowners yet, but of course it's going to be on the roadmap for the next couple of years. Uh, but but I just don't see those huge initiatives for for trying to target Gen Z to be able to help them make decisions. And I know there's so many other platforms out there, a tech platforms, fintech platforms that are really trying to help engage Gen Z uh, potential homeowners. I, I know Kristen, you know everything about every fintech company in the mortgage space. <laughs> um, so do you see any way that like some other providers out there that are able to help with some of these initiatives that you touch on in your research report? Like education, uh, like I think that's huge and not everybody is taking the opportunity to build a relationship. You and I talk about the, the importance of eye to eye contact, you know, on videos, being present, you know, building a rep, a reputation around buying a home. And I feel like not a lot of people are taking them to educate people in this down market. You know, it's a great time to build connections. Mm -hmm, absolutely. So first of all, um, I'm 35, as you know, and I've been doing this for 10 years. And when I was 25, I was, it, people didn't want to talk about millennials. I mean, they were starting to talk about it, but they were like, yeah, yeah, in the future, even though it was, there was already a lot of millennials in the market at that point, you know, but it was kind of like, we got to deal with what we got right now. And I think it's really important that we learn from that and, and realize that, yeah, Gen Z makes up 3% of, of home purchases today. So people can see it as like, this is a small market, but it's growing and it grows quickly. And what is most important, I think, is to recognize the trends that are happening. I mean, just in the difference between the way that I live my life and, and some of the trends that, you know, exist in my generation between, and yours, it's very different. And it's important that we recognize that because that reflects the entire market, not just Gen Z. Um, but then secondly, going into the education piece, 
so I had a, I may have told you this, but I was interviewing a financial advisor for my own personal finance type stuff. And I had a conversation with a couple different ones. First one, I was, I, I was just like, oh, you're mansplaining everything to me. And my instant reaction is, is to be like, yeah, you think you know so much. <laughs> and like, I didn't know very much, you know, I mean, it, it was, I was kind of laughing at myself because I'm like, yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. And yet I feel this instant reaction, like we were talking about earlier of, you know, yeah, like, um, don't tell me things like, don't be patronizing, you know, and, um, yeah. and I just, it's like an instant reaction that I'm afraid I'm either going to be taken advantage of, or that you're going to think I'm stupid and not recognize that I'm a smart individual, you know? And, um, and then, so the first one I wrote off right away, second one I was interviewing and I, I wanted to pay attention, but he, he was on, you know, doing a video presentation over zoom and in the middle of it, I, I was not paying attention at all. And he turned on his video and then I instantly moved over and was like full attention on him. And it was just the fact that I recognized that this is a human being doing this presentation. And I, he built trust with me. And it wasn't just because we were on video, it was because he was explaining things in a way that felt very um, professional and like it, it mattered to me. He was looking at my personal financial situation. And I think that reflects so much in the research too. Like women report less, uh, having a worse experience Gen Z also reports having a worse experience in their home buying process. And, um, and I think a lot of times people just feel that they're nervous in those two areas, you know, and, and the more that you're able to educate on a personal level and with like respect and eye to eye contact and build that rapport and trust, that's going to really win your market, especially with women. And that is interesting because, uh, for me, every credit card that I've signed up for, applied for, every bank account that I have, I've done without human contact. I've done it solely online. So not that I have made any large purchases in my life, but I do know that I have signed up with pretty large financial decisions by just going onto the internet and doing it self-service myself. And of course, yeah. a home purchase is way larger than, than a credit card, but I would imagine that I personally might want to just go to the internet and not speak to anybody. But at the same time, since it is a large transaction, some that trust, having that eye-to-eye -eye contact might be helpful, but I'm kind of unsure. Do I want to talk to a person or do I just want to do it online like I've done before? Yeah, do so I do think, oh yeah, go ahead, Ali. Well, I was just gonna say, I'm the completely opposite. Like, I don't know why I think lack of trust will, and Blake and I have had these conversations, but. I think what's really sparked my passion about bringing my conversations to the table in our industry is like my, our generation is very um, looked at as transactional, like very quick, quick, quick. But the people in my life, especially the women, like I, I talk about, I have a group of 10 girls here. They all say they want to visit and know the person that they're working with. And I have one friend who's actually look, she's like, I know I need to buy a home. She's like, I have the money saved up. She's like, I'm spending she spends like $2,200 a month in rent. And she's like, and I, I was like, Hey, would you want to work in person with someone or would you want to do it like virtually? What, what do you think? Like, would you want to do a digital transaction in person? What do you think? She's like, I value so much, you know, the face-to-face -face attention. And it's like, also pe when people decide to give you the time of day, they want, 
you you know you as soon as he turned his camera on and you realized he wanted to prioritize you you mm -hmm. say oh my gosh i feel heard this is customized towards me this person came into the branch just to sit with me and have face-to-face -face interaction i think that the women in my life now blake is a male in my life blake sorry it's backwards blake is a male in my life so maybe he's different but i talk about this a lot with my friends and they all want to feel important i guess that that's the way to put it yeah that's really interesting and i i do think that there you could say something like i feel the need to or i don't want to talk to people most of the time i want to with all of my transactions i want to be as quick and efficient as possible and i often am nervous that i'm going you know for those other reasons of the, i don't want to deal with another person but when it came to buying a home for one it, it is such a huge transaction that there there's a difference there but two i think a lot of times we say those things but then we experience something different so like when we do meet people in person or at least over video or whatever like i wasn't turning on my video in that example i was sharing but i when he turned on his video i my natural reaction was to trust him more you know and it wasn't that i was consciously thinking this guy needs to turn on his video or that i care about that it just happened and i think um you know i've talked about this recently that we moved away from doing live events as in real estate and mortgage and with COVID, and it makes sense, it's not as efficient, you can reach more people online, but when you do live events, you secure a relationship with a core group of people. And so whether or not you think that that's the most efficient way to go about it, I think a lot of times it is more quality over the quantity, you know what I mean? Like people do actually react in a way because we're we're created, like our bodies naturally produce oxytocin when you see someone in person and you connect yeah. with them, it builds trust, you know what I mean? Well, and you take a picture, you post it on social media, they post it, hey, oh my gosh, that guy actually cares about interacting with people, yeah. I'm gonna reach out to him and see if he'd go get coffee with me and talk about it. Oh, yeah. oh, he just helped her get her home, you know, and he's giving her the time of day. He posted on his Instagram with her, her success, you know, let me reach out to that person because the the value of connecting in, per, in person with my generation and my conversations has gone so far in this digital phase that we're in. Um, when people want to put you first and make time for you, I think it ends up being a really full circle transaction. Yeah, totally agree. Totally. Yeah, I do think Gen Z is really the first generation that has grown up with digital media uh, from what, Ali, elementary school. Uh, there were iPads, there were iPhones. Sixth grade. Uh, and I just I just find it crazy because if, if in high school, if someone called me just on the phone, I probably wouldn't answer. Um, I, yeah. I truly think our generation grew up not wanting to talk to people over the phone. I mean, I get more FaceTime from my peers than I do phone calls. And, and, and even that, they prefer the text or Snapchat or Instagram message or whatever it may be. So I just think it's, it, I don't know if there's enough Gen Z home buyers to really assess to see if, if Gen Z truly wants to see someone face to face. And of course, I'm not a researcher, but it's just interesting because if, if just the way that people have been communicating my whole life, uh, my peer groups, it, I just find it very different than maybe millennials because you guys, because millennials didn't grow up with technology the same way Gen Z did, or at least the uh, I digital. Think it's like a genuineness. Like, I think it's just an approach that's genuinely curious about the buyer. 
and what's important to them. Like if you come across genuine and like authentic in your first initial interaction with us, whether it's virtual, in person, whether it's, hey, I noticed on socials that you care about this, I thought you might find this interesting. Um, and then just kind of sparking up a conversation to where they feel heard. Um, I guess you're right, digital or, because if someone calls me from a foreign number, I'm, I'm in sales, so usually I answer, but a year or two ago, I wouldn't, um, just because it's like, it's a spam call. It's someone from the government trying to listen to me. You know, it's a lack of trust, but it goes to the importance of genuineness and yeah. feeling like, oh, this person knows me by my first name. Let me respond to the text. Yeah, I also don't think it's a, it's a one or the other. It's not black and white. You know, I mean, we don't just want to have conversations over text. And I don't think Gen Z only wants to have conversations over text. I think that when you're having a, a big conversation about putting, you know, about what their loan options are, they're going to want to have a conversation. Um, but... I think it's also, you know, we don't only communicate in a certain way. Like you said, Blake, you're getting some FaceTimes and you're getting a lot of texts. And um, and so when we have that, like, do you prefer this or that? I don't know that it's always super clear, um, but I will say, these are great questions. I'm gonna do a follow-up survey. We're doing another report just like this one, specifically on Gen Z, that's gonna come out in June. Um, and so I'll have to incorporate some of these questions into the follow-up survey. And we do have enough data on what we published in October that's um, to be statistically significant with the Gen Z uh, population. And I wanted to bring up, okay, so Gen Z, were and women oh, so this is relevant to this conversation gen z and women rated lower satisfaction with home buying experience so we asked them whether they were you know how they rated if they had a five-star experience um but here's something super interesting um and this is encompassing millennial and gen z so i'll find out but um next gen home buyers who met in person were 41 percent more likely to give a five-star experience versus buyers who did not so anyway, whether or not they wanted to meet in person, you know, I don't know, but it's like maybe meeting in person, they were like, oh, I don't want to have to do this. And I would not do it. I would refuse it. So to be clear, that's my preference. But I do think it's interesting that like it probably prompted them to have that, build that trust no matter what, you know? Yeah, and you know I mean, what's funny? Oh, sorry, Blake, go ahead. No, no, no. I was just going to say customer experience is everything because I always recommend any Chinese restaurant I go to and I'll Yelp review and I'll, I'll refer everybody yeah. to it. And I think the same thing Very would go for true. this. Reputation. Yeah. But but I, um, the, the people that I talk to in my life, I think they come to me when it comes to a home buying question because I talk about it so much and I'm excited about it. But I'm just thinking like if if I was licensed and I could originate, you know, I would probably help them with the transaction. But I think that they come to me because they trust me and they think, oh, Allie, like, we'll know a good person that I could use for um, a mortgage. But I just think that, you know, being face to face, a lot of the people that I talk to, they're like, even if they don't go to the events that are being hosted, they know that people prioritize like giving their prospects the time of day, I guess. I don't know, but I, I think that the 41% or higher, what was it? 41% are more likely. Yeah, 41% more likely to give a five-star experience. I think that that's spot on with the conversations I'm having and like just the people in my life. So Kristen, I want to ask you, what do you think is the biggest challenge for people 
in our generation that are younger, you know, primarily and personally, I'd be curious in, in the Gen Z cohort, you know, what's between them and homeownership from your, your results? Um, so one of the big ones I would say is uh, not knowing where to begin. And that was one that came up that was significant. 10% more women said that they, that was a current barrier to buying a home this year. And I think it was um, 40% versus 30%. It was like a huge amount of the, the population. I was surprised to see said that that was a, a barrier to them buying a home this year. Um, and then, you know, we talked about the financial literacy aspect, but I think that that one comes up consistently again as a, a being a current barrier to buying. Well, what's funny is that when I asked, I, I did a survey through my Instagram with 200 people in my life. And I said, what's the most intimidating factor? 46% said where to start. Um, down really? payment was on there, how to qualify. And there was an other option, but 46% said, I don't know where to start. And the education process wow. is the most intimidating. And yeah, so that was just my, like, what, why are we not more? And, you know, I did a day on the Hill here in Nashville and I got to speak with someone who works with first time home buyers. Financial literacy is so unapparent at any type of high school, college, you know, you don't learn how to build your credit. You don't learn what goes into qualifying for a mortgage. Why is that not out there? And so I think your nonprofit right is going to move mountains for our generation and generations to come because I, I think our government and, and whoever does these types of policies, like there should be so much more of a focus on uh, realistic economics, you know? Yeah, yeah. it's so, crazy that we are making decisions like getting credit cards and getting student loans and all of that. And we don't know how that impacts our ability to buy a home or our ability no. to, you know, live out our financial, like, freedom, all that kind of stuff. Um, one of the things, you know, the whole like needing 20% down, I don't know if you've done research on I that, did. Allie, but it's 77% um, of our respondents said that they didn't know if you, if they thought you needed 20% down or they weren't sure. And, um, and that has been consistent too. Even when I did an informal survey with the group of Harvard Business School students, these are people that are like, studying financial things that are some of the smartest people in the world they didn't know you needed to no one in the room in fact knew you needed or you could put less than 20 percent down so there's I just think like i did that and you know with certain loans you could get like below five percent you know i know that there's there's some qualifying factors but um i think i don't remember the exact statistic but it was the highest picked answer was 20 plus percent Mm -hmm. that you need to be saving. And I've had conversations with people in my life who I know have a good amount in savings. And I'm like, what's between you? And, and they're like, I know I'm paying way too much in rent, but I just don't even want to think about it. And I'm like, yeah. it's just such a mind uh, obstacle, I think. And just where to start having the approachability with someone to open that conversation. I will say that makes a hundred percent sense in my mind, that education and where to start is the biggest factor okay right. also you bring up a point around the, our relationship to money there's a lot of emotion that comes into yes. our financial decisions and i think that's something that as an industry we could do more of of educating people like there's a logical component here, but there's also a, an emotional component and understanding how much, you know, stress impacts our ability to make smart decisions. We need to, we need to understand that a little bit more. So. 
So, so Kristen, for for that, for your first home IQ nonprofit that you just started recently, um, I, I'm guessing some of the initiatives that you guys are taking in your mission is to, to really help deliver home ownership to. Uh, is it a specific demographic? Is it like an age demographic that you guys are trying to target or trying to help? Yeah, so 16 to 21 year olds is our target demographic. I think this will be useful for anyone, but yeah, we're thinking when you start to enter the age of like later high school, you can get a debit, you can open a bank account, all that kind of stuff. You should be getting education around this. Um, and I, I think, you know, this is designed to be industry led. I've co-founded it with Dave Savage and Todd Bookspan, and um, we're hoping to solicit as much advice and input, content support, you know, financial support, anything that anyone wants to contribute in, in terms of making this something really successful, where ultimately our goal is to educate at least 5 million um, young adults in that age range. Yeah, so to be able to be a contributor, do, do people just visit your website? Is that the best way to contribute? Yeah, if you go to firsthomeiq.com, you can sign up and that will get you into our community when we launch that. We just now announced it. Um, but then there's also other ways to contribute financially and you can contact us through the website um, where you can say, you know, I want to bring this to my school district or I want to contribute some content or I'm not sure, but please keep me informed, you know, and, and that's where we'll, through the email newsletter, we'll definitely keep everybody informed as well. Right, and I know that you, you and I had talked about this a couple of weeks ago in Las Vegas. Uh, they're, you're trying to partner with really anyone that wants to help with that initiative, but there is an incentive for loan officers to be involved in it too, because it is a good way to even generate more leads, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. So I, I mean, one of the big data points that came up in this report was this gap in early education that I mentioned and that and we found that financial education as children is a better predictor of home ownership than even their parents household income or socioeconomic status so there there's a huge like incentive for loan officers and agents to make sure that they are educating the younger generation but also the, the younger generation has parents, like we talked about. They have, you know, there's teachers, there's a lot of people that they have influence over that when they see that you're contributing and giving back to the community, they see that you're someone that can be trusted. And Gen Z especially has, you know, that value for home ownership and authenticity, as Ali mentioned, and I mean, value for um, mission-driven work, you know, and I think whenever you're contributing to your community in that way, there's a lot of positive outcomes that come from that. So and I think philanthropic, philanthropic moves and just initiatives go so far. I, I spoke with a wealth manager in Nashville recently at an ABA wealth management conference, and she was talking about people have and females in our generation care so much about companies that care about the community so i think that that is huge and i think people in our generation will really prefer to work with someone who's giving back to the community and wanting to help versus a company that's not yes so, absolutely yeah no, i think that's super, i think that's super awesome uh and in a market like this especially for the origination side of mortgage lending uh finding any way to to Bring in more business for your organization is will be a game changer and and the market right now isn't good everyone knows it's not good but this is a good way to tap into a uh, i guess a market where you can originate more loans you can bring in more business uh, so i think that's really cool what you guys are doing um 
Allie. And Kristen, hold on. I had a one more question for you. And this is a total tangent. I know I'm just so excited about this conversation. And my gears have been turning all week about this question. I read an article inside magazine where I was on TikTok and someone was talking about this article. So I, I don't have it firsthand, but she said that our generation is more likely than millennials. And this is kind of the contrast between the two, because I'm, I'm going to ask some differences that you might see. But do you think Gen Z is more likely to want to invest in a fixer upper for a lower cost? than maybe previous generations are because i think there is some odd not fantasy but like uh it there's like a attractiveness in creating your home and like upgrading it yourself versus buying an already remodeled beautiful picturesque house as is what do you think about that Absolutely. Yeah, 100%. And I think that would be a good question to go into our follow-up survey too. So yeah. um, as you think of anything, you guys and anyone listening, you know, sure. let's um, let me know because I'll be doing that survey next month. And um, but I do think from what I've read and and seen that we there's Gen Z are more likely to do that, but they also don't know about some of the construction loans and options out there to help them with that. Um, so right. there it goes back to that education but piece. Building, building a relationship and saying, I can help you to achieve this. If that's something like there's so many redo shows out there that like my yeah. generation has watched and like made attractive in our mind, you know, and the, the article that was referenced in the TikTok was talking like, they're more willing to buy a cheaper home that they want to invest in and do the upgrade so that it feels like theirs. Um, and also, uh, what's it called? Track and record these different, like uh, advertise these upgrades that they're doing themselves. I think that our generation loves social media and we want to share our successes that way. So I think that might be a way that previous generations may have just wanted to move into a beautiful house. Yeah. Our generation wants to document the journey of home ownership and making the upgrades. Yeah, I've actually, I was just um, interviewing an influencer who was became that just by documenting her upgrades to a home and then, um, and then doing that with other homes and became an, a real estate investor through that. Um, but she just wanted to document her journey. And there's a lot of people out there that want to do that and just share their journey with others for the benefit of others and also to have a community around it. So I think that's a really interesting approach. Um, and I will say that is a barrier that it seems with uh, women in particular right. is that there is a fear, I think, or just like lack of understanding on how do I start this? How do I approach this? And I would like personally to see more people sharing that how, you know, in my local community, if I, if my, you know, real estate agent or there, if there were more people in my community that were talking about, this is how specifically I did this. Or if you could say, I've got a lot of referrals for this type of, you know, these kinds of contractors. I personally have had a really hard time with getting contractors to do upgrades for my home and knowing who to reach out to, you know? And, and I think that I, and so home maintenance, I think it was one in five said that they were nervous or that they didn't feel confident in their ability to maintain their home. And that was a barrier to home ownership. Um, and so while there is this segment that, and I think more so with Gen Z that want to do a lot of, you know, upgrades around their home and, and all of that, there's also a segment that is more dominant with women that are nervous about that journey. 
Well, and I think that's a great point and that's a great way for us to bridge this gap because I think loan officers who take the time to build a relationship with the female clients in their life and say, hey, listen, here's a great person to use. Like I brought this even just showed up in my mind because I have a friend here who's reached out to me about buying a house. You know, I keep trying to plan a Zoom to talk to him on camera about it, but we just keep texting about it. And he sent me this um, do-it-yourself makeover TikTok account. And it has over 19,000 followers. And I followed them and I just realized, you know, if a loan officer was to provide someone who's moving into a fixer upper, hey, you know, I, I realize that your intentions are to, you know, redo the kitchen eventually. Here's a great account. If you decide to want to get started, you should follow them. And it's not salesy. You're trying to get them to do work with or to work with you. It's super genuinely curious about what they care about. Um, and I think that that is just a great way for loan officers right now to be building connections mm -hmm. and reaching that next gen through social media and just through any resources they might have because our generation, I think, will love the idea of redoing a home. Yeah, I love that. So I agree. I just wanted to add that. Sorry. Like no, no, you're good. You're good. I just know that we're coming up on time soon. Uh, Kristen or even Allie, are there any final thoughts that you wanted to touch on before we, we call it a day here? Because I know you you put so much time into this research. Uh, yes, go, Kristen. I feel like I've taken up all of your brain power with all my oh curiosity. Oh my gosh, I have loved this conversation. So I just have a few, I guess, calls to action. Um, yeah. One would be to visit nextgenhomebuyer.com where you can access the full report and uh, would love any feedback. Also thoughts on future questions for the Gen Z survey that we'll be doing. Um, we'll also be doing a, a small section in there on LGBTQ homeownership as well. Um, and then the other would be to visit firsthomeiq.com and at least sign up. And if not, if there's other ways you want to contribute, you can reach out through that website as well. Um, and then lastly, yeah, I would just say like really focus on the, uh, how you want to build rapport through education and, um, and I think, you know, building relationships within your community to support more women homebuyers in the future. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And, and Kristen, we, we really appreciate you hopping on this podcast with us today and thank you everyone who is listening in. I thought it was a great episode and Allie and I, I know we love being able to talk about. I'm so next. excited. I love talking about the American dream of homeownership, especially with Kristen, because you have such great statistics around it. And I think your initiative is spot on. Um, so I'm really excited. And however I can help with your new venture, um, I, I want to help however I can. So I'm going to one off with you after this. Awesome. And it's first time. What is it? First time? No, first IQ. home IQ. First home IQ. Yep. Yeah. Okay. I'm definitely going to get more involved with it as. Yeah. So if everyone that watched today liked what they saw, please subscribe to the Mortgage Innovators YouTube channel or wherever you have watched this podcast. There's so many different platforms to watch podcasts on now. But until next time, thank you guys.